Okay, so welcome to another Emoth podcast. This is Wendy Vinson, president of Emoth Worldwide. And today our guest is Brian Schwartz. He's an entrepreneur and author of the new book, 50 Interviews, Entrepreneurs. And the subline here, it says a a biographical encyclopedia and successful self-made entrepreneurs reveal the unwritten rules and expose new truths. Welcome, Brian. Thank you. Appreciate it, Wendy. So uh, I loved this book. I was, you know, I loved obviously that we got to see um, uh, have a chapter that was dedicated to you interviewing, you know, our entrepreneur here, Michael Gerber. But also, you had some just terrific interviews throughout this book that really, uh, I think, can uh, inspire and uh, relate a lot to our small business community community out there uh, internationally. So I'm excited to talk with you a little bit about. Uh, the interview process and what you came to and what might be helpful to our small business owners out there. You bet. And, you know, I tell people that you may not like everything you read in the book, but if you want to know the truth about entrepreneurship, it's in there because these are the, you know, raw interviews from the people I talk to. Nobody in there is pushing their products or pushing their services. They're just telling telling me like it is. And some of it is kind of hard to swallow if you haven't been on that side yet. But uh, it's it's the truth, and and I certainly have an appreciation for what entrepreneurs go through now. That is terrific. Now I should say up front at the beginning of every podcast, you know, if people want more information about your book, and I, I you know, looking at this, it looks like you have a lot of additional information uh, that is available on your website, which is www.50interviews.com, and it's five o interviews.com, and That's it looks correct. like it's a yeah, lot it of good information. To evolve. Wonderful, wonderful. So, Brian, just uh, just to get us started, so tell me a little bit about how you came to write this book. Sure. Well, really briefly, I um, worked for other people for about 15 years, really, ever since I got out of college. And I was seeing a trend where I was working harder for less pay, and I was in sales. And that was really not the point of being in sales. In sales, you want to be in control of what your income is. Well, I spent about seven years at IBM, and then I worked for another um, IT consultant after that. And the trend at both places, and actually even before that, was, you know, after a certain point, you start making a certain income. The owners of the company realize, hey, we're paying these guys too much. This must be too easy. Let's adjust the commissions or let's raise the quota or do something. And you basically had to work 20 to 30 percent harder every year just to maintain your income level from the year prior. And I was very frustrated with this time and time again. And and I told my wife, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm going to go work for myself. I, I no longer going to do this for someone else. I want to be in control of my, my own income. And she was very nervous. I'm the primary breadwinner in the uh, family. And yeah. she told me before she would give me her blessing, she wanted me to go talk to some people that were doing this, entrepreneurs. In fact, she said, Brian, I want you to talk to 50. She said, if you talk to 50, you'll have my blessing at that point. Thinking, not telling me, but thinking in full well that I would never make it to full 50 because I have these whims before. She figures I'd talk to enough people and see enough of the dark side that I would go back to my job and, and be happy with it. <laughs> so that was really the genesis of the, the project. And wow. initially I was really just gathering information, but uh, everybody I interviewed kept saying, Brian, you're asking some really good questions. What are you doing with these? And I said, well, I'm just trying to find out if I'm cut out for this. And they said, have you ever considered putting this in a book? And I said, well, no. And and then I asked myself, what do I like to do when I'm not getting paid to do it? And one of the things is writing. And then I, I dug a little deeper about what do I like about sales. And it's really the interviewing process. So really for the last 10 years, 
I've been doing interviews and realized this is something that really fits my strengths well. So that's really the genesis of the project. That's great. So I have to ask, was there a time, you know, this this sounded a little bit like uh, a setup for you to start thinking that there was no way you were going to get through all 50. Was there a number or someone that you interviewed that actually made you pause and think, yeah, maybe I shouldn't go into business for myself after all? Uh, You know, not really. What I saw it actually grew stronger as the interviews went on. There was so much fulfillment in the people I interviewed. I had not seen that kind of fulfillment in my coworkers in all the years. In fact, fulfillment was one of those things in the work world that is, had always eluded me. I'd have it for a little bit, but it would never last. Something would happen to kind of knock me back down and realize there was no fulfillment in work, and I'd really given up. But what I found with the entrepreneurs I interviewed, every single one of them, they had found fulfillment, and I wanted I was just attracted to that, and I, it was such, I, there was always such a high that I had after the interviews that it really drove me to go to the next. So I would say that the interviews grew stronger. My, my desire, in fact, it was very hard for me to make it to, make it to 50 before jumping ship and becoming <laughs> an entrepreneur. That is terrific. So uh, what did your wife say when you got through the 50? <laughs> she wasn't, didn't think I'd make it, first of all. She was getting nervous <laughs> after about the 30th, realizing it was really starting to build steam. In fact, the passion for what I was doing, she had never seen anything like that before uh, that really competed with her. And she was understandably really nervous and, and still continues to be as we kind of, as I go down the next evolution of, of an entrepreneur myself. But, um, you know, she's getting used to it and she does know that, okay, you've done your homework, you held up your end of the bargain and I'm going to do everything I can to, you know, support you and believe in you and, and trust that this is going to work now. That's terrific. That's terrific. Well, I love what you just said as well. You talked about uh, your evolution as an entrepreneur. And it's interesting because, you know, we've, uh, as an organization, we've been around over 32 years. And a lot of our premise has been what Michael Gerber called the small business revolution. And we've really discovered now after 30 years that there's not a lot of revolting anymore needed, but there is a time for evolving one's skills as an entrepreneur and also how small business needs to move. So this is a really great complement to what's on the minds and what's needed uh, in order to be successful out there. So uh, this is pretty exciting. Thanks. Well, and I do think that the 50 interviews is a stage that a lot of entrepreneurs get to, is all the information, all the inspiration, all the all the viewing you can do before you actually make that leap of faith and, and basically throw it all out there and put yourself on the line. And that is the next phase that I'm in the midst of right now. And it, believe me, it is, it is a whole different world than getting as far as I had. And I've read nonfiction for, you know, 15 years and it never made a bit of difference. It wasn't until I got out there mm-hmm. to start interviewing these entrepreneurs. And, and really, I've got 50 people behind me now. I've committed myself to so many people that this is going to, you know, what I'm doing, I'm no, there's no looking back. I've pretty yeah. much, I've committed myself and, and it's exciting. That is terrific. Well, I mean, commitment, certainly, uh, commitment and tenacity and passion is what drives uh, a lot of people to go into business for themselves, but certainly is core to, you know, longevity and overall success. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, let me ask a few questions, just digging into the content of this great book. Um, what would you say, you know, are one or two things you learned that surprised you after interviewing all of these great entrepreneurs? Well, and it was a, a definitely a surprise. Probably after about the 20th or 30th interview, I saw this common thread, and 
this was really around the fuel and what was driving these entrepreneurs to really, uh, you know, persist beyond what most what stops most people and, and get through all the adversity that you have to, to face. The number one thing was passion, and it was a consuming passion. It was a passion like something that I don't know if I'd ever seen before because I don't think I got exposed to a lot of people at the top. I always was calling on, you know, the VPs and the people a few layers below. But when you get to the very top, these people have this incredible passion, and it's the kind of passion that, you know, if I offered you a million dollars tomorrow to step aside and no longer um, do what you're doing, you wouldn't be able to take the money. You'd yeah. say, you know, I thought about it, but you can keep your million dollars or there's some price. Um, it's the kind of passion that, you know, if you stopped getting paid tomorrow to do what you're doing, would you continue doing it anyway? Exactly. And, you know, that starts to really make you think. And I think right now in our economy, a lot of people are facing that reality that, oh, my gosh, you know, the money's going is no longer there. So it, what would I do? And I think that as you get a little older, the money, you know, the, the bright, shiny objects that pull us off course for a lot of our lives, uh, start to lose their luster and you start to come back, okay, what do I really, you know, where can I find fulfillment? And, you know, it's just a consuming passion. I almost compare it to an addiction. In fact, that's what occurred for me with, with this book and this, this project was, you know, my employer had told me, Brian, we know you got something going on on the side. We respect your, you know, your personal time and, and we want you to have other things, but we need you to put this aside. The company needs you. You need to recommit yourself. And, Whatever it is, you need to stop. Well, I put it on the shelf for a couple of weeks, and I was really, it was such a strong draw that I couldn't put yeah. it aside. I had, you know, basically pulled me back like an addiction, uh, and it wasn't even really a choice. It just continued on, and of course, that's where that job went. But <laughs> so, so number one is, is a, yeah. basically a consuming passion. Number yeah. two, and this one didn't dawn on me until I was reading Michael Gerber's book, Awaken the Entrepreneur Within, and it's about having an impersonal goal. And the concept was, I always have to explain it to people because impersonal's got a lot of different meanings, but what that means is that the goal is not about you. It's about something much bigger than you. Mm -hmm. And you realize the impact you're having on other people and the impact you can have on the world seeing this idea through and, and and boy that that's what really gets these entrepreneurs going is is one you got the passion but two you know when you're doing something that's bigger than yourself you know it's 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 an amazing drive to get up in the morning and and get back at it and and have the faith and and do whatever it takes and i think that when you identify those two elements the passion and an impersonal mm -hmm. goal you've got the fuel yeah. to be a successful entrepreneur. In fact, people criticized me and said, Brian, well, you didn't interview any unsuccessful entrepreneurs, people that fail. And I said, you know, actually I did. They didn't make it in the book. <laughs> but the three or four people I did interview that had kind of fallen off and, and gone back into employment and w were truly doing what they were doing for the money. Yeah. So when you're doing it for the money, it comes back to being about you. Yeah. And the other entrepreneurs, they had those two elements that were fueling them through all the adversity, and like I said, the, the challenges and seeing the bright side and seeing the good that comes out of even failures, um, you got to have those two elements, and the ones that were failing out there didn't have uh, an impersonal goal or, or consuming passion. That's you know, it's, it's something you're not attached to. Mm -hmm. it's, it's something that others are drawing to you because I think Michael Gerber, in my interview, that came very clear that he was able to recruit other people to come on board with his idea early on because 
it was such a significant, you know, purpose that or calling that he felt was there that the, that he needed to solve for the world, and other people felt that. So other people came on board, and and that's where you know Emith is today is is because and he owes his success to all the other people. In fact, the, the entrepreneurs I interviewed, many of them don't take any credit for the company other than coming up with the idea. They credit their employees, which they don't even call employees. They call them partners. Yeah. And I thought that that was a very powerful uh, perspective that when you see the other people in your company as partners, that, of course, you know, that's what makes it makes a successful company. That's terrific. You know, yeah, we've, uh, I, I love uh, these uh, things that you've learned through these interviews. Uh, someone um, once said, and I'm sure a lot of authors have written this and we've, you know, repeated it over time, but, you know, there's really two drivers. You can do something out of fear or you can do it out of love. And, you know, choosing something out of fear, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to, um, you know, not be able to pay my bills. Maybe there won't be something else for me. Maybe I'll fail. You know, rarely is that a sustainable drive. You can, mm-hmm. maybe it can help you respond to something in the moment. But really, it's that love of something, that passion, as you describe it, that is sustainable and that can carry you forward. So it's absolutely... Well, it doesn't feel like work, right? I mean, when you love what you're doing and that's... Yep. So few people, I think, find those two elements. But boy, none of these people feel like they go to work every day. That's right. And that's the dream, you know. That is the dream. We should all be so thankful. Absolutely. So would you say then, you know, how would someone know? So, you know, we have a lot of people um, that have their own businesses, you know, that um, listen to these podcasts and come to our site. And we also have quite a few people today. Um, particularly with, you know, the rising unemployment rate that are visiting, trying to figure out, wow, you know, should I go into business for myself? Should I buy a business? Should I buy a franchise? Should I start something from scratch? Should I go out on my own? And wondering, you know, what they should be doing. So, you know, how would someone know when they found their true passion or their true calling? Well, I think what I discovered with, with this project is I was sharing it with people uh, six months before it was complete. And, Everywhere I went, it was the thing I talked about right off the bat. It was identified with who I was, but I think that passion, for passion to grow, it needs to be shared. So if you've got an idea for a business or, you know, you've, you've got an inkling that, hey, this, this is something that really lights me up, well, you've got to share it with other people. And the more you share it, the more you give it room to grow. And I believe, you know, for years I had great ideas and I didn't share them with anybody because I didn't want anybody to steal them and waiting for the right moment and the right opportunity to, I guess, pursue that opportunity or that, that passion, but never really just throwing it out there and, and getting feedback from people. And, and that never, they never, the passion never grew and sort of died in the closet. But when I started sharing this, it just, every time I shared it, you know, people could tell I was lit up and, and they would ask me more about it and they would tell other people about it. So I'd get contacted from other folks and, it would just continue to sort of evolve and take a whole different shape. I mean, I would say some of the best ideas in that book um, came from other people, and it was all from sharing with others what it is I'm, I'm kind of seeing and, and then seeing the impact it's having on others. So I would say that's sort of number one is get out there and just start sharing it. I mean, there is no new idea out there. I mean, people think they've got this this unique idea. Everything's been thought of and everything's been done, but – so few are successful at getting it off the ground, and I think it it all comes down to sharing it with other people. It, you know, on the purpose side, I think that the the larger cumulative benefit 
of what it is needs to outweigh the single benefit to yourself. You know, if this is one of those things that I wish I would have realized 10 years ago, and I actually should have mentioned this at the very beginning of the interview, kind of what really, really fueled all this for me was one question. And I, I think that when the right questions are asked and you really think long and hard about those questions, you know, you really discover the truth from within. But it was this. It was somebody, you know, actually I was interviewing, it was about the 10th interview in, and one of the questions I asked is, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Well, my friend Chad turned that back on me, and he said, well, Brian, where do you see yourself in 10 years? And I said, well, if you'd asked me that 10 years ago, I would have said not here. Hmm. And not even realizing what I was saying, but he was kind of shocked. He said, what? And I was shocked at what I said. And that was just for me just, you know, what a, what a shame to, to answer that question that way. So my purpose on this is I don't want anybody to ever answer that question that way. I mean, there's, that is the wrong answer. You know, you shouldn't be answering that question that way. And, and people need to think, you know, you need to think ahead. And, and one way is that, you know, these 50 interviews, the informational interviews is, is a framework that worked well for me that I know can work for other people as well is, is start talking to people that are doing what you think you want to do. And if it is the right thing, if it's what you really want to do, it will, it'll start to grow and it'll start to become real. And all of a sudden you'll start to, you know, be drawn to things like e-myth, which I didn't even know about before I started doing the interviews. Um, you know, the resources and where these people hang out and, and the way they think, and really you'll start to, to adopt that mindset, which is so vital because without it, you know, you're going to probably be somewhere else. That's great. Now, Brian, you just said something interesting. Uh, you said that uh, you hadn't heard of Emeth when you started this book. So how did you come to identify Michael Gerber as one of the entrepreneurs to be interviewed? Well, it, we kept came up. It was about the second interview in, and I would say one out of every three or four interviews, Emeth came up because one of the questions I ask is, do you have any recommended reading? And, you know, any books that have really helped you that you've gone back to again and again. And E-Myth uh, kept coming up. I hadn't heard of it. So, of course, I went to the library and checked it out. And, in fact, I had to buy it because it was one that had a long wait. And I read the book. And, again, this was early in my interviews. And it just didn't really make any sense to me. I didn't really understand what <laughs> people were so jazzed about. And I sort of put it back on the shelf and um, – I just said, well, you know, but it kept coming up, and I wasn't exactly sure what I was missing. Well, after I launched the company and after I put myself out there 100% committed to, to doing, you know, making the next step in the evolution, all of a sudden I was facing a lot of these things that I remembered was, was mentioned throughout EMET that was kind of like all of a sudden started, it was starting to make a little more sense. So I actually went back and I read it again, and I was like, wow, I really get it. Now I see why these entrepreneurs come back to this because <laughs> – this is addressing so many of the challenges and the struggles I'm facing right now. And um, as far as connecting with Michael Gerber, um, Rob McNeely was somebody who really became a mentor for me and sort of took me under his wing. He, he runs the Startup Story radio podcast, and he's had Michael Gerber on a few times. He's a big fan. And he said, you know, Brian, you should interview Michael Gerber. And I said, you think that's possible? And he goes, sure. Let me give you his contact info. And he actually introduced me to Michael. And I ran it by Michael. I said, hey, I've been doing these interviews. You know, your book keeps coming up. And I said, who better than you to find out the answers to some of these questions and, and to give me some perspective. And sure enough, uh, you know, within a few weeks, I had the interview scheduled. We did it over the phone. And it still turns out to be one of the best interviews in the book. And 
the last question I ask Wendy in the interview process is, what would it say on your tombstone? And people love his quote. In fact, his quote sums up a big part of the whole book, and that is basically his, this was his answer was, it doesn't matter. I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it in front of me, but it, it doesn't matter what you know, but what you're determined to do with what you know. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's what these people in this book are all about. It's, it's, you know, a lot of us possess the knowledge, but we don't do anything with it. And, you know, he really gets the point that, you know, you can have all the information in the world and read all these business books and, and spend all this time in college and invest in your education, but if you don't do anything with it, then really what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. That is terrific. That is terrific. Well, um, I should say that within your book, 50 Interviews, that uh, the interview with Michael Gerber is on pages 51 through 55. And also, we were happy to see, Brian, that you also included one of our Emeth blog articles uh, titled The Five Essential Skills Needed to Create a Great Business in the back of your book as well as one of the appendix um, resources, which is terrific. Yeah, and there are there are some great resources out there, and that you know I just I, I grabbed some of the best I found and put them in there as the appendix. And Erin Duckhorn did a great job, and I just asked her, hey, I love your your post on this. I said it really it's home and addresses a lot of the things. So would you mind if I put it in there? And she said, sure. Well, terrific. So. Um, you know, I really want to thank you, Brian, for, you know, spending the last, uh, you know, few minutes talking about what you learned through going through this journey of 50 interviews. Certainly, I couldn't agree more that, you know, really, once you are, you know, compelled to do something and drawn to it, surrounding yourself with others and getting yourself in situations that you can truly, um, you know, immerse yourself in something in order to ensure um, you really, um, you know, fulfill your passion and be able to, you know, create um, all the impact that you want, that this is the way to do it. Uh, again, I do appreciate as well that you included, you know, uh, Emeth Worldwide's Michael Gerber, and it's a great interview, has a lot of uh, wonderful answers, and you really are quite skilled um, at questioning. So it's terrific. And uh, as I mentioned, our uh, one of our blog articles by Aaron Duckhorn is on page page 240 and 241, which outlines the five essential skills that every entrepreneur must have in order to create a great business. So, uh, Brian, thanks again for your time, and I would encourage everyone to check out your book to pick it up, and um, I'm assuming they can get your book at your website? Yeah, 50interviews.com, and and certainly, you know, the, the hope I wouldn't say the hope. The way I want this to evolve is that people really take this on for themselves. And I I certainly hope people pick up the book. But beyond that, I want people to take this idea and this framework out into the world and go interview people that they think they want to be and use this as a framework to to find new truths. Uh, You know, what the the things is in the interview process, as you and I talked here today, is that things come out that may not come out when you write something or when you type an email because there's a filtering that occurs – between your brain and when you type something or write something. But when you speak, the truth comes out in all its glory. And I think that's, you know, there's those moments of truth that you can capture, which is why I think the informational interview process is so powerful. And I want other people to take this on and discover the truth for themselves. That is terrific. Well, thank you again, Brian. And thanks again for listening to another Emeth podcast.
Until the next time, have a great day.